Hey, thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. Okay, let's dive into the Word today on, on Father's Day. This, this message is really kind of a teaser uh, for where I'll be heading in August. In, in August, we're going to start a season called Who Am I? And it's this idea of why am I here? What's the purpose? What's my purpose on this earth? Uh, but really, who am I inside? And God wants to deal some things inside us. Uh, so we're going to dive into that in August. But today, I want to kind of start that conversation of leaning into this idea of what am I here for? Why, why am I on this earth? And I want to start by, by reading a great Father's Day passage of Scripture. It's in James chapter 1, verse 17. It says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Now, some of you would say, I didn't have a good father on this earth, and Father's Day is actually really hard for me. I don't, it's hard for me to celebrate Father's Day because I didn't have a father, or I had an abusive father, or an, or an absentee father. You can find assurance and rest on Father's Day just knowing that you have a good and perfect father that is nothing like your earthly father, no matter how good or bad your earthly father was. We have a good, good father who showers down good, not just gifts, but good and perfect gifts. And I want to talk about this today, about this idea that we have a father who wants to give us gifts, okay? So then you can flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is something that I want you to lean into uh, for your own life for the next however long God has you there. I want you to study like you've never studied before, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. 12, 13, and 14. This really dives into the gifts of the Spirit, okay? The gifts of the Spirit are these good and perfect gifts that the Father wants to give you and we need to become more educated, more knowledgeable, more knowing about these gifts. And I want to touch on them today. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. I'm going to read the King James Version because I want to point out a couple of words that they use in this. It says this. It says, now there are diversities of gifts. Now your NIV may say kinds of gifts. Uh, it says, but the same spirit. Verse 5. And there are differences of administrations. That's what the King James Version says. Your, your NIV may say kinds of service. And, but the same Lord in the verse six, and there are diversities of operations. And the NIV says kinds of working. Okay. And then it goes on to say, but it is the same God, which worketh all in all. And so these three things kind of put that verse back, put that screen verse back up on the screen for me, Nicole, uh, verse four, it talks about a diversity of gifts. Okay. Number one, Number two, a differences of administration, number two. And then number three, a diversities of operation. Now, the terminology being used here would make us think that this is kind of an organizational leadership conversation. It, it kind of gives us structure. It's, it's God saying, I'm a God of order, and I'm going to give you some gifts, but it's not just willy-nilly. I have a purpose in this, and I'm going to do this orderly, and I'm going to do it specifically, and I have different kinds of gifts that I want to impart in you. And this is what I want to talk about today. I'm going to take this passage we just read and point out these three gifts, these three different types of gifts that operate in us today as believers. And they are gifts from the Spirit, which makes them spiritual gifts. Okay? Very simple. And they're good gifts that the Father wants to give us to help us operate and to find our purpose on this earth. 
all right? Uh, so I want to talk to you about today, the title of my sermon is, Why on Earth Am I Here? What am I here for? What, what's my purpose? And I'm convinced, and I'm going to try to convince you of this, that the biggest reason you're here is, is the gifts that God wants to bring and flow through you. We're not, we're not on this earth to build wealth, to build influence, to build a legacy for our kids. All of those things are great, and nothing of those are bad. But our greatest purpose on earth, and you will really never be satisfied with your time on this earth until you realize that you have good and perfect gifts that the God has put in you, but they're not necessarily just for you. They're to flow through you and to be a ministry to those around you. And that is the definition of purpose. Why I'm here on this earth. I want to talk to you about that today. in fact, Paul would want to convince us of this too, this same chapter. He starts out this chapter, a really important chapter, 12, 13, 14. In verse 1, Paul says this. He says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, my brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So then out of that verse, he goes into three chapters of informing you. <laughs> He's like, I don't want you to be informed, so listen up. Pull a chair up to the table, and I want to inform you about the spiritual gifts. And so this word uninformed... Paul uses the word uninformed. In the Greek, it's the Greek word agnao, and it means to be ignorant, right? Not to know due to lack of information. Now, elbow your neighbor and say, I'm not calling you ignorant. But I kind of am. I mean, <laughs> stupid and ignorant are two different things. Ignorant just means I just didn't know. And there's, this is really, really rampant in the church today and inside the church and outside the church is when anybody mentions the gifts of the Spirit, everyone's like, oh, 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 weird, I don't want to talk about that. So what we do is we disallow ourselves to become informed. And we run away from things that we're not familiar with and we label it as weird. We label it as wrong. We label it as something that we don't understand, okay? And so what Paul is saying is, listen, I don't want you to be uninformed when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. And we should lean into this. We should, we should want to learn more about things we don't understand, okay, in all realms of our life. A few weeks ago at church, we had a, man, I'll call it a manifestation of a gift of the Spirit in our church. At the OKC campus, both at the 9 and the 11, I preached at the end of my sermon. We had a moment where we just let the Holy Spirit into the room. We had a, a message in tongues Okay, if you're a first-time guest, you're like, what, where, look, honey, let's go. You go to the bathroom first, and I'll follow you out. We had a message in tongues, and then we had an interpretation of tongues. I mean, there may be those of you in the room like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't grow up in that church. I didn't grow up in church at all. So what I'm saying to you is there are areas of our life where we are simply, what Paul would say, we are uninformed. All of these things, if you want to be a part of this church, my only challenge to you is we will study the Word of God even the parts of the Word of God that may not make sense and that we typically skip over that chapter because we don't want to read it because we don't understand it. We want to be a church that believes that the Word of God is the inspired, God-breathed Word of God. And so if we lack understanding, let's find it. Let's gain, let's gain an understanding. I have a deep conviction, one of my greatest values as a pastor, and it's something that God had to work through my heart, is that God has convinced me, and I will never be convinced otherwise, that when I get to heaven, God is not going to care about how big my church was was on on earth. And I don't think God's going to judge me as a pastor based on how wide my church is. I think he's going to judge me on how deep my church was. And I would rather take all of us to a deeper place in God's word than to entertain all of you to where you want to come back the next week for a corn dog. 
Okay? So we're going to, okay, I'm preaching a different sermon. Here we go. All right. Three categories of gifts that we get. Like, this is good news. Three categories of gifts that we pull out of this passage. Verse 5. Verse 5 says this. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. Number one, I want to talk about ministry gifts. Ministry gifts. Now, when I say ministry gifts, I'm basically mainly referring to the Ephesians 4 version of the ministry gifts. These, is what, these, these are what we, many of us would refer to as the, the full-time vocational ministry, okay? Now, I'm not excluding it, and I'm not saying that, if, if it, that that's exclusively talking about that, but I do want to take you to Ephesians 4.11 and read this for you. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So this is this idea that there are certain God-given gifts from a good father that he imparts into people that then go into full-time ministry to equip the people for works of service, okay? These are what Paul would refer to as ministry gifts. These are those administrative, uh, gifts of administration, so to speak, in the ministry. And what I want to encourage you with in this is don't write this off as, well, that's not me, I'm good. I want to I remind you of something that these gifts are in me. I, I, I flow in these gifts, specifically two of them is the apostle and the teacher or the pastor, teacher-pastor. I flow in those predominantly, but I, I want to remind you of something. There was a time about, ten, I've been in ministry, this August will be 10 years Prior to me coming into the ministry, I just attended this church, y'all, just like you. I was a greeter. I would stand at that door back there, and I'd open the door so people could walk through, not knowing that these gifts resided in me. If you would have come up to me 11 years ago and said, you're going to be a pastor, I'd have punched you in the face and said, get behind me, Satan. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You know, I'd have, I'd have said something. I didn't know these gifts were in me. God cultivated these gifts and brought them forth for such a time as this. And I, what I want to encourage you with is don't write these gifts off. In fact, you can operate in these gifts from time to time, but don't write them off as those are for somebody else. Okay? Let's keep going to the next one. Verse 4. Verse 4 says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Okay? So Paul gives this description of there's, there's this diversity there's a plethora, there's a lot of different gifts, but they all came from the same spirit. Number two, I want to talk to you about motivational gifts, okay, motivational gifts. Let me unpack that for you. Um, this diversity of gifts, so it talks about a diversity of gifts. We've got to look at the Greek word because sometimes we could label that with what we think we should label it at, but let's go to the original text, original language. It's the Greek word diarisis, and it means distinction. This word's the best one, distribution or in particular. So God has distributed these gifts, but not like a, not if I like took a bag of seed and just threw them out and whichever one hit you, that one was for you. He distributed them, yes, but he's distributed them in particular. So this one is yours. This one is yours. They were, they were distributed amongst the saints. Now these motivational gifts, this is what you need to know about motivational gifts. Motivational gifts are the gifts that are entwined in your DNA. You don't have to try to do that gift. God imparted this gift into you. Let me show you this in Romans chapter 12, okay? Romans 12, chapter 3. 
It says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, he's about to go in in just a moment and list these motivational gifts. But before he does, I want you to see this word distributed. Because Paul says, by grace, God distributed these gifts to you. And this is what this word distributed means in the Greek. It's the Greek word merizo, and it means to bestow or to impart. So it doesn't mean that he gave it to you and then he took it away. No, when he created you, he imparted this gift into you. And that becomes a part of your DNA and a part of your personality. Now, one slight quick warning is don't take your bad fruit and say, well, this is just how God made me. You know, have you ever heard somebody say that? Why are you always such a jerk? Well, I don't know. That's just how God made me. No, that is not the type of gifts that God gives. James 1.17 says that he's the, he's the father that gives good and perfect gifts. So if you want to know if your gift that you're operating in is from God or not, just go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruits of the Spirit. Because the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, self-control. Like if you're not operating in the fruits of the Spirit, then that is not a gift from the Father, okay? So let's go on in verse four, and then he lists these gifts that he has imparted into us, okay? Individually, you get this, you get this. Uh, verse four, it says, for just as each of us has one body with many parts, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And so he says, you play your part, you got a part to play, and because you have a part to play, I'm giving you this gift, this motivational gift for your life. Verse 6, it says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And then it lists them. Here we go. If your gift is prophecy, prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is in giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So he lists these seven gifts. And it's not to say that, you know, you only get one. Sorry. You can operate in any of these gifts at any given time. Even if you're the most selfish person on the planet, there'll come a, a day where you might serve someone, right? So you might operate in a gift. It might not be your primary gift. And so he gives us these gifts. There's seven of them. Let's look at them again. Prophecy. Now that's a word that people are, are afraid of. They think that's a weird word. It's not a weird word. Prophecy is simply to lift someone up, to correct or to lift someone up. It's, it's an exhortation. Uh, it's, it's letting you know of something that's coming your way down the path that you didn't know was there. And there's certain people who have this gift that just resides in them and they see pictures and they see God, God-given words for other people. Second one is serving. You know somebody like this. And you're, you're actually, you get mad at them sometimes. You're like, how are they that selfless? They're just people that like everywhere they go, they can't sit down. Even if they're in somebody else's home, they're like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? I want to serve. I want to do this. They're, they're operating in a gift. That's a gift. It's a God-given gift. And you know people that do that. Teaching. There's people that just have a, have a, a, a knack to teach, right? There's some people who do well and there's some people who teach well. And I, I know both, and some can do both, and some can do either or. Some people can teach you how to do something, but couldn't do it themselves to save their life. They, they just operate in a teaching gift. Uh, exhortation. Exhortation is the person that when you leave them, you're always better. 
They just, it just pours out of them. And you leave them. You feel better about yourself and the world and everything around you. They just have this gift. Uh, giving, the Bible describes that giving is a gift. That God gives us this desire to be giving. And as a giver, you are a supplier in the body of Christ. There's people who paid for the seat that you're sitting in. They gave so that lives could be changed. It's a gift. Uh, lead. Leading is a gift. The administration, the organizational, these are God-given gifts that he imparted into you. And you don't have to wake up and say, man, I, I don't know how I'm going to lead today. You just do it. It's a gift. Uh, Craig, my pastor, asked me one time, he said, how do you, when you lead, how do you know how to lead? And I was like, I, I, I don't know. He said, exactly. You just do it. It's a gift. God just gives you a gift. Uh, if you have to figure out how to do it, then you're operating outside of your gift, okay, in some ways, all right? Uh, last but not least is, is show mercy. This is the person who's just always is compassionate, always sees the good in other people, always sees, has, has the ability to step out of their shoes and step into other people's shoes. Uh, so, so we need to operate in these things. If you don't know your motivational gift, you need to study, you need to find out, God, what have you gifted me to do? and write it down on paper, and then operate in that gift. And know that you are the best you when you're being that. And find out ways to operate that more and more, and you will find satisfaction for your soul. Because you are operating in the spiritual gifts that God has put you on this earth to do. All right, Stop trying to be somebody else. Stop trying to act like you got somebody else's gift to try to be somebody else. Just, God, who did you create me to be? Okay, the one I want to spend the most time on is, is this one. Let's go to verse 6. Uh, verse 6 says, and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Number three, write this down, the manifestation gifts. I want to talk for just a second about the manifestation gifts. These are the most mysterious, the ones that most people think of when they think about the gifts of the Spirit. And, and I, want to, I want to focus on these for just a minute. The reason I label these and identify these as manifestation gifts, let me show you this. The word for, for operations, okay, so, so, so it says the diversity of operations. This word operations in the Greek is the Greek word energeo, and it, where we get the word energy, and it literally is defined as to put to work, and this word's really important, to display, to display, to put something on display for you to see it, okay? Uh, let's go back to, to the very next verse. So that was verse six. The very next verse, Paul writes this, now each one, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, okay? So to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. This word manifestation, we know in the English what this word means, but in the Greek, it's the Greek word phanirio, and it means to appear, to expose, to view, and to become known. It means that a moment ago, you didn't know it was there, and now it's there. It was exposed. It came into view. It was a manifestation. You didn't see it before, but now you see it. You didn't know it before, but now you know it. You didn't believe it before, but now you believe it because something was manifested in the moment. And you see this all through Scripture, these manifestation moments all through Scripture where things become known, powerful acts happen, uh, moments where God, people encounter God, uh, these, are, these are different than your motivational gifts. Your motivational gifts 
are something that you're laced with. You can't help but do it. It's just who you are. And then there are these manifestation gifts that God gives to us that burst on the scene. The, the motivational gifts you're in control of, okay? The manifestation gifts you are not in control of and don't you dare try to manipulate them because the Bible says that they are of the Spirit. And as soon as man starts trying to mess with stuff that's supposed to be the Spirit's job, bad things happen, okay? And many of you have got turned off from church in the past because you've witnessed people operate in a manifestation gift in their flesh. And that's when people get upset. That's when people are like, I don't want to have anything to do with the church. This is not what I want. So it's very important that we understand the, 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 the aspects of this. Okay, so let's go on and read. And so in verse 8, that was verse 7. Verse 8, it lists them for us. It's not that hard. The Bible lists them. There's nine of them. So in verse 8, it says, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, and to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous signs, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. And all of these, all these are the work of one and the same spirit. So it's one spirit, many gifts, and he, this is really important, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. It is a gift of the spirit that he determines who and when it manifests through, okay? And he's, he's looking for willing vessels, by the way. And they're few and far between these days. For people that are willing to say, God, I don't fully understand what you wanna do, but I'm stepping forward and saying, use me as a vessel, and if you wanna have a manifestation gift to work through me and flow through me, I'm available. That's why Jesus said he searches the world to and fro to find a place, find, find someone who can, who can serve him and do, and, and, and so there's this idea that we need to make ourselves available. So let's go over these. There's nine of them. I, I want to be quick here, but I want to talk about them. Okay, the first two are the message of wisdom and the message of knowledge. So these are moments where you didn't know something or you didn't understand something, but in a moment there was a manifestation of God's presence, a manifestation of his wisdom and his knowledge that come on the scene, burst on the scene, and all of a sudden before you didn't know and now you know. Before you didn't understand, and now you understand. This was something that happened to the leadership team. We were on a retreat a couple months ago, and we were just going about our business. It was just, we were just moving down the road, trying to find new initiatives for the church, and this is what we're going to do next, and this will grow the church, and this will, this will take people to deeper levels of their faith. And all of a sudden, they burst on the scene, and I didn't even realize it was happening. I just looked at my guys, and I said, are y'all tired? Yeah, we're tired. I'm tired too. And, and this, this understanding, this spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge burst on the scene to stop us from moving the church forward without resting first. Because there was a biblical principle in Leviticus and the, the idea of Sabbath, but specifically in Leviticus for us, in chapter 25, that says you work the land for six years and on the seventh you rest. But if we wouldn't, if, if the spirit wouldn't have manifested there, we just would have went about our business and we would have done good and the church probably would have grown. And in five years, one of us would have had a moral failure. But because the spirit manifested and brought wisdom and knowledge, we were saved. We're gonna be better people. I'm gonna be a better father. I'm gonna be a better husband. I'm gonna be a better pastor. All because in a moment, there was a manifestation gift that, that came on the scene. Another one is faith. Now, you wouldn't normally think faith as a manifestation gift, but let me, think, let me say it this way. 
All of you could take me back to a season of your life where it required more faith to survive that season than you had in you to get through. Um, there's a gentleman that goes to the nine o'clock, Doug Hall, who went through leukemia about four years ago. We were kind of reminiscing about it. And his faith grew so much during that time that he, looking back on it, he has no idea how he survived that season. But there was a manifestation gift. It was a gift. And did you know that faith can be a gift? There are certain seasons of your life where you, don't, you couldn't do it in and of yourself, but God gives you a supernatural manifestation of faith that just lifts you up to let you survive the storm and he holds you up out of the water and it's faith and it was a gift all along. You didn't do it of yourself. It was a manifestation of faith. Okay, so this is something that God, this is why Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, remember it says, by faith, Noah, blah, blah, blah. By faith, Abraham, blah, blah, blah. And it lists all these heroes of our faith and it says that it was by faith. And that, that chapter is not boasting about them. It's boasting about the manifestation of faith that came from God to let them get through that season. Uh, healing is another one. Uh, Dr. Frank, we have a, a guy that comes to our, our, our Oklahoma City campus that attends the nine. He's a medical doctor, so he operates in healing in the natural, but he also has a supernatural gift of healing. He's prayed for so many people and, and, and seen healing. Now, this is another quick warning. I'm trying to move quick here. Um, this is why it gets really dangerous because we end up worshiping the man or the woman instead of the, the manifestation gift that's operating through them. And if you're not careful, if you see somebody that's operating in this healing gift, you'll begin to put them on a pedestal. Yeah. Wow, what an amazing woman. What an amazing man. No, that's a manifestation gift of God's spirit flowing through them. Stop putting people on a pedestal. That applies to teaching. Wow, John, what an amazing sermon. Listen, I don't belong on any pedestals. Let's just call it a gift from God and end it there so I don't get a big head and do something stupid, all right? So we have these moments where God manifests these gifts in us and we should celebrate them. Um, miraculous powers, that's one that's listed. Think Moses. Moses was not that big of a deal, he was a stutterer. But you saw these miraculous powers flow through him. He stuck some stick out over the ocean and it parted. That was a manifestation gift that flowed through Moses. God always chooses a man or a woman to manifest himself through. And so he manifested that. It was just a gift. It was a spiritual gift. Uh, distinguishing between spirits. We would call this discernment. And many of you know people like this. Maybe you're one of those people that you can have lunch with somebody and within 10 minutes be like, eh, I don't know about that guy. I'm praying for this spirit to come upon me when my daughter starts dating. Lord, bring the gift of discernment in Jesus' name. <laughs> I need a manifestation of the gift of discernment. Uh, Pastor Wade has this gift. Pastor Wade operates in this gift uh, really well. Um, speaking in different kinds of tongues. This is a gift. Stop calling it weird. We should stop calling stuff weird that God calls a gift. God's like, this is a gift that I'm giving to you. It's a spiritual prayer language. It's a, it's a private prayer language between the, the throne room of heaven and human beings on earth. And we should, if we don't understand it, we should study it before we judge it. Okay? So this is a gift. We saw this happen in our church a couple of weeks ago. We saw the manifestation of a, of a tongue coming out. In fact, Paul says in his writings, we should all pray in tongues. That's what Paul says. And then we saw what quickly followed that was the interpretation of the tongue. And if you want to do your own little study, go to chapter 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and you'll find that, wow, stuff that you may be judged in the past is just right there in the Bible. Wow, didn't, didn't realize that it was there. So, so read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Okay, let me, tell you, let me show you something really cool, all right? Let's go back to this verse in verse 7. Put it back up on the screen. It says, now to each 
one. The manifestation of the Spirit is given. This is a really important verse. Because we're like, yeah, God, do those manifestations. That's cool. I like to watch those. God says, I've given every single human being on earth, my believers, the people who believe in Jesus, they can operate in a manifestation gift. I'm just reading what the Bible says. It says that God, now to each one, is given. There's a gift, a manifestation gift that God wants to do through us. And we're, we're, not, we're not new people to trying to figure out this thing. For centuries, people have tried to figure out the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit. That's why there's different denominations, because we disagree on stuff, right? There's all these disagreements. and In fact, there's a lot of terms that have been coined and come out. Uh, John Calvin, who came up with Calvinism, very predestination, he came out with the idea of sensationalism or sensationist. Sensationists believe that all of the gifts of the Spirit ceased with the first church, with the first century church. And God brought on the manifestation of the gifts to launch his church, but once the church was launched, the manifestation of the gifts ended. That's called sensationist. There's those that are called uh, dis, uh, uh, dis, dispensational. Dis, hmm, I speak for a living. It's a, it's a tricky word. Dispensationalism, where this is the thought that God kind of compartmentalized the ages. And in this season, he wanted this to happen. And in this season, this happened. And he compartmentalizes the ages throughout time. And God operated differently in all of those. And you may be wondering, maybe you're new to Victory Church. and like, what does Victory Church believe? We believe that the Bible is the inerrant, inspired, God-breathed Word of God. And every page that's written is just as much for today as it was for them. For them. We, we believe that. Amen. So, so that's how we operate. One of our core, it's our core value. One of our core values is we believe in the power, gifts, and fruit of the Holy Spirit. Not just the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all that. We believe in that, but we also believe in the power of it and the gifts. We believe in the gifts. And so we want to be educated on them. And if we don't have an understanding on them, we want to dive in and, and dig into this deeper. One more quick thing I'll say on that. Um, one of the reasons I believe this of many is that Jesus told us that we would do greater works than he did. How in the world? I'll show you. It's in John chapter 14, verse 12. He says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to my father. How in the world are we going to do greater stuff than Jesus did? if we don't have the gifts of the Spirit operating in our lives today. So I, I encourage you to lean in this. Okay, let me, let me summarize all this by telling you what I think Paul would say if he was here. So Paul wrote, Paul wrote all of these amazing scriptures and um, had this massive influence in the church, a massive influence in who we are today and what we believe. I think if he were here today, he would tell us three things, okay? And hopefully I don't get struck by lightning because I'm trying to speak for Paul here. But I think he would say three things based on the text that we've been reading today. The first thing I think he would tell us is, I want you to eagerly desire the gifts. Why do I think Paul would say that? Because he said that. So these three chapters are really important chapters. The end of chapter 12, end of chapter 12, Paul says this, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. 
And then chapter 13 is the very next verse, and chapter 13 is all about love. So what he's saying is, I want you to operate in all these gifts, but if you do it without love, it's pointless. In fact, chapter 13 starts with saying, you know, I want you to prophesy, but if you prophesy, I want you to speak in tongues, but if you do these things without love, it's like a clanging gong. It does nobody any good. So he goes into this importance of love. This chapter is the one you hear read at weddings. Every wedding is going to talk about this chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envy. Love does not boast. Kind of, sort of, out of context, even though I do it too at weddings. He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. 12, 13, and 14 are all about the gifts of the Spirit and how we operate in them in the church. Okay? So then, so he starts, ends 12 with that, he goes into love, and then he bookends, so it's a bookend on both ends, and on both bookends, he says the same thing. Bookend after chapter, the very first verse of chapter 14 says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. He goes on to say, especially prophecy, especially one that you think is the weirdest, I think you should desire that one the most. In, in fact, the, the, the wording that Paul uses in his original language is so out of, out, of, out of what we're used to hearing because he uses some really strong language. He says eagerly desire, but in the Greek, it's the Greek word zelao, and it means to burn with zeal, to boil with envy. En- envy? Covet? The thing that's, you know, in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet. And Paul's like, I want, I, I want you to understand the spiritual gifts so much and desire them so much that you have envy. That there's a, that you, you, you covet it, you just want it so bad, you're, you're boiling inside to understand the gifts. The second thing I think Paul would tell us is he would say, commit yourself to knowledge. Commit yourself to knowledge. What Paul would say is if you don't understand something, stop turning your back to it and bad-mouthing it and turn back to it and try to understand it. Try to come to a better understanding. Try to come to an understanding of why Juneteenth means so much to certain demographics. Try to come to an understanding of why George Floyd is such an important topic for so many people. Try to come to an understanding about the spiritual gifts and why God makes them such a big deal. Stop thinking about yourself and how you process stuff and say, God, I want to know how you process stuff. I need to come to an understanding. There's things that I don't understand. And I want to come into knowledge. Paul said it. Paul said, I don't want you to be uninformed. Don't be uninformed. Don't be uninformed. If you don't understand spiritual gifts and you think they're weird, that is not your permission to turn your back on it and run. If you don't understand it, that is your cue to turn towards it and say, God, if it's in the word of God, I need to understand this. And if you want me to have spiritual gifts, I'm leaning in. What do you have to say to me, Lord? And if you need more knowledge, I know a really good university that you could take a theology class at. I'm just saying, gain knowledge. Gain an understanding for the things that you don't understand. It's such a good principle for for Christians to follow. And here's a, oh. Aha. I get emotional because I got so convicted on this as I was writing this message. I take my kids to basketball 
I take my kids to private basketball lessons every week to stir up the gift of basketball inside of them. But how much time am I spending on stirring up the gifts of the Spirit in my kids? Am I helping my children gain an understanding and knowledge about the gifts of the Spirit? That's where they're going to find purpose. That's where they're going to find fulfillment in life. And it gains to the next, the, the last thing Paul would tell us is he would tell us is find out why on earth you're here. Figure that out. And I can promise you it's not in what you think it is. It's not in a title. It's not in your bank account. It's not in what you can accomplish and achieve and overcome and conquer. It is completely laced inside gaining an understanding about what spiritual gifts you possess. And then understanding your part to play in the body of Christ, big or small, and just stepping into that part with no insecurity, no fear. What would happen if Tom Brady's toe got jealous of Tom Brady's arm? If you think Tom Brady, you're thinking, oh, he's got an arm. Yeah, but he'd have a hard time throwing that thing without a left leg. What if we all just said, I'm going to stop trying to be the arm, and if I'm just the big toe, I'm in complete fulfillment because I'm a son or a daughter of God, and he's called me to this place, and I got a part to play. I would be the biggest and happiest big toe on the planet Earth. That's where peace is found, is just saying, God, what part do I play? Maybe I'll never take a stage. Maybe I just deliver the podium to the stage for John to preach behind, and nobody will ever see my face and nobody will ever know my name, but if that's the part that you've called me to play on this earth, God, it's the happiest you would ever be. And Paul goes into detail on this. This is a lot, of, lot to read, but I want you to focus in on this because this is what Paul is saying to us in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. He says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. And even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, it would, it would not for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye... Where would the sense of hearing be? And if a whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Verse 18 is for us. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be the weaker are indispensable, like big toes, indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our greater honor is to... It, uh, while our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving great honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Watch verse 27. Skip to verse 27. It says, Now you are the body of Christ. 
the church. And each one of you is a part of it. Unfortunately, many believers have a part to play in the body of Christ, to use this analogy, we all have a part to play, but many times, myself included, we're too busy being the rear end to actually do anything purposeful for God. Instead of just leaning in, and that's what I'm gonna go into in August. In August, I'm gonna hammer in deep about finding our identity in the right place. Because insecurity is rampant in the body of Christ. And the solution is finding what part I have to play. Why on earth am I here? And I'm just going to step back in that spot and be the happiest person that I could ever be on this earth. I want you to find your gift. I want you to find your spiritual gifts. I'll leave you with this quote. Jim George said it this way. He said, start where you are and do anything you can and, and do everything you can do until you find something you must do. And that something is probably your spiritual gift. Start where you are. Do something. Find something that you must do. And find and discover your spiritual gift. That is the only place you will find why you're on earth for. Is when you discover your gifts of what God is doing for you. I'm, I'm convinced that we have made church the wrong thing. We have, made a church, we have made the church a place where we come and receive what I need to have. And we're guilty of this. The church is guilty of this, even in the structure of, in which of, of how we do it. It's a receive, 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 me, me, me. I'm convinced that God wants us to come to church not to be ministered to, but to be ministers to other people. God, God wants us to come to church not just to be prophesied to, but to turn around to the person behind me and say, I'm just praying for you, and the Lord just told me to tell you. Imagine if we came to church and we ministered to each other. How much more fruitful would this church be? This is, this is God's design. And Paul tells this. This is what I'll part leave you with and I'll pray over you. 2 Timothy 1, Paul tells this to Timothy. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. He's like, I know there's a gift in you, but you're not operating in it. There's something in you that you are not operating in. I know it's there. And then verse 6, he says, For that reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. I think it's important that Paul didn't say, Get over here. I'm going to fan it into flame for you. Paul told Timothy, You have to do it. You have to fan it into flame. There's a gift inside of you. And many of you had a gift, and you know it. And you could, you could sit me down and say, this is what I used to do, and this is how I used to operate, and I used to be a prayer warrior, and I used to be prophetic, and I used to do this and this and this and this. And just over time, I got distracted by this job and this job and this career and this distraction and kids, and I just kind of stopped doing it. And Paul would say, hey, I'm just here to remind you. I'm not here to make you. I'm just here to remind you to fan something back into flame that is, is there's still a coal burning down in you. It's still, it's still there. If you'll just put a fan to it, it'll burst forth and erupt inside of you. Can you stand to your feet, OKC and Edmund? We just put your hands in a posture of receiving, and I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. God, I pray not by might nor by power, but by your spirit that you would impart gifts that you would reveal gifts, 
that you would stir up gifts and that you would fan into flame gifts that are inside these people. Your word says that you have distributed and you have given perfect and good gifts to your children as our Father. That there is a manifestation gift that's inside of us. There is a motivational gift inside of us. And for many of us, there's even a ministry gift that resides inside of us. They're, they're dormant. They're dormant. And I pray that you would apply fertilizer, God. That you would stir something up in our hearts. Expose, God, the things that have distracted us and deterred us from focusing in on the real reason that we're on this earth. Let us come back to our first love. Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.